Hello and welcome to another episode of Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Alright, so for this one, this is actually a recommendation from Will from In Our Honest Opinion. And it's one of his, I don't know if it's one of his favorites, but it's one that he really likes. And honestly, it's one that I missed when I was growing up. As I've only seen parts of this movie, I've never seen it in its entirety until last night as I managed to find a copy of the Blu-ray that was released by Shout Factory and is now out of print. But I was lucky enough to find a copy at Grindhouse Video here in Tampa, Florida. And well, this is Toby Hooper's 1986 film, Invaders from Mars. Alright, so this one, Invaders from Mars. Well, it turns out it's a remake of the 1953 sci-fi and horror classic of the same name and tells the story of a kid that witnesses a UFO basically not crash land, it just lands slowly beyond the hills and such uh, from his bedroom window. Witnesses it, tells his parents, and well, sure enough, turns out everyone is being brainwashed by these alien creatures. So it definitely has a a similar vibe to other things such as Invasion of the Body Snatchers and you even had some more recent offerings such as the movie Disturbing Behavior and also The Faculty. I'm sure there's others out there that share a similar story. It's just a matter of how it's presented. I know Invasion of the Body Snatchers had three remakes that I can recall off of that. For example, there was the one in the 70s there was also the one in the 90s, and then there was also the one in the 2000s. Invaders from Mars, to the best of my knowledge, has only been remade once. However, you could say that the faculty would definitely be a remake of Invaders from Mars. But that's the movie we're talking about here, and as somebody who has not seen the original, I've only seen this one, I'm only going to be talking specifically about this one. I would like to actually see the original movie. I did look up some information about it and also I saw some stills from it. It looks incredibly hokey and I'm sure it would not scare anybody today. But I guess back in 1953, it would be pretty terrifying. I don't know. But even with that said, Invaders from Mars from 1986, this is not a terribly scary film. It fits firmly in the, I guess, youth type of horror films it could even be for family viewing there's not a lot of blood and gore or anything like that the creatures themselves are in a way horrific looking but they're kind of goofy looking at the same time but I actually really really like the design of the aliens here I thought the alien designs were awesome and they were Stan Winston creations and they were gigantic you could definitely tell that they were puppets or people in suits but I thought it was awesome and I love those special effects from the 80s and this definitely had a great 80s special effects look about it it's actually kind of funny because in this movie the main character David Gardner when he finally gets to see these aliens from Mars he actually calls them Mr. Potato Heads and I don't think that's a very good way to describe them but I think it's kind of a funny and humorous way to describe them. 
The other alien that I thought was really cool looking was the leader of the ship or leader of this race. It was never firmly established, however, he reminded me of Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I thought was actually a really cool design, and I thought that the puppetry that was uh, with him and his character, I thought it was really well done. It really did look like a waxy, greasy, disgusting, brain-like creature, and it was handled really well by director Toby Hooper and also Stan Winston in creating this thing. I do think that Toby Hooper is a very underrated director. While I do not share the same love for other things of his, such as Poltergeist, I think he handles things really well, and I know that Poltergeist is definitely up in the air as far as who actually directed that, if it was Steven Spielberg or Toby Hooper. Well, after seeing this, it makes me wonder even more. I used to think that it was straight up Steven Spielberg and that Toby Hooper just got the director credit. And I do know that a lot of the cast from Poltergeist actually said, hey, this was uh, Steven Spielberg, but then others will say, hey, it was Toby Hooper. But I think the Poltergeist was definitely more of a Spielberg type of feeling film. And this one here, actually feels like somebody trying to mimic a Steven Spielberg way of filmmaking. Just from the score and the way the shots are set up and just the overall look and feel of the movie, I felt I was watching a Steven Spielberg film. And so I think he did a great job if that's the angle he was going for, like the family type of horror, where it wasn't too dark, it wasn't too graphic, it wasn't too nasty but yet he still tried to provide that, I guess, tension throughout. And he really did it with a Steven Spielberg-esque touch on the entire film. I mean, if you look at pictures of Toby Hooper, he even kind of looks like Spielberg in a way. So maybe he was the next best thing we had to Spielberg, even though he focused primarily on horror. It's kind of disappointing that the only things that he was really known for was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which I don't really care for, but I understand why people might like that one. To me, it's honestly a shame that Toby Hooper didn't really get to do more films or bigger budget films. If you look at his filmography, he has movies such as Eaten Alive. Uh, he has a whole bunch of different things. He did amazing stories. He did an episode of that. And then he also did an episode of Masters of Horror, I really would have liked to have seen Toby Hooper get that recognition that maybe others had, such as Wes Craven, but sadly he never really got that. If you look at everything that he's done, he definitely had a very set vision and a solid eye for setting up some really good shots. And some of the shots here in Invaders from Mars actually mimic some of the shots from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, such as some very low shots. And I think that was designed to provide perspective here from David's point of view. So a lot of times when he's talking to his parents and stuff, it'll be in almost a first person type of shot and it'll be looking up at the parents or even some of the adults in the film here. Either way, it's a really solid direction, and I was entertained for that 90 minutes to 2 hours, however long this actually was. It was definitely a 
hidden gem for me because I do actually really like the invasion of the body snatchers type of story of the paranoia of somebody being replaced and with the characters not really knowing what is exactly wrong with them but they're not quite right and I always thought that that story was great for I guess scares and just questioning what if that person is suddenly different how would you handle that would you try to figure out what it was or would you just go along with it I think one of the best things about this movie is the way the script was handled I think it was a pretty smart script because it definitely tried to do its own thing but also tried to give us that familiarity and give us that feeling that we are watching something that could very well have been done in the 1950s. I think Dan O'Bannon's script was actually really well done here. And speaking of that, Dan O'Bannon, I'm also a fan of other things that he's done, notably Ridley Scott's Alien and also Return of the Living Dead. Dan O'Bannon is probably another very underrated writer, and I think he provided a good script here. The reason I say that I think the script is a very smart script is because of the fact that the parents and the adults themselves, while they're different and everything, the one that believes him, who is the school nurse played by Karen Black, they do a good job of her believing David at first, but then questioning if everything is true and saying, you know what, this is ridiculous. But yet they, they don't really paint the kid up as being just a dumb kid or a kid with a crazy imagination. I think it was really well done and I think she provided a good performance here. I'm not familiar with too many things that Karen Black has been in. I know she's a bit of a, a scream queen from the 70s and such. And I know her from Francis Ford Coppola's The Great Gatsby and also the movie Trilogy of Terror, which is a very fun anthology series. And all three segments were featuring Karen Black as basically a woman in trouble. She did a good job in that, and she does a good job here. I really liked the bond that she had between her and David, and that was one of the most unique things about it, is that she was trying to be the adult, but then David was more or less taking control and he was comforting her, where in most cases you would have it where the adult would be comforting the child. So it was a nice little different take and a different spin on a child in trouble and the adult that's trying to help the child. As far as other actors in the film, the other one that I really enjoyed was actor James Karen. He was actually in Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead Part 2. I enjoyed him in both of those movies, and I enjoyed him here in this movie. He was also in David Lynch's Mulholland Drive, and that was one of his last roles that I believe. Sadly, he is no longer with us, and Toby Hooper and Dan O'Bannon are no longer with us. So it's great to have something like this that's a work of a lot of people that are no longer here. In reading up about it, I found out that this was more or less a critical and a commercial failure for Toby Hooper and Dan O'Bannon and I don't think it should have been. The movie doesn't break new ground necessarily but it's entertaining for that time that we're watching it 
And in reading about it, it seems like this is now more or less a cult favorite. So I would imagine a lot of people that managed to see it back in 1986 are probably still fans of it to this day. I do think I need to talk about the ending. So if you have not seen this, uh, there is a little bit of a twist ending and I would hate to ruin it for you. So if you do intend to watch this, I would recommend, well, shutting off this episode and checking it out because it's definitely a cool ending. I enjoyed the darkness to the ending. It is a little bit of a dark ending and pretty awesome at the same time. So that's the end of your spoiler warning. Let's get into the ending. So the ending has David and he wakes up screaming and his parents come in to comfort him and he finds out the whole thing was just a dream. However, he goes and looks out his window and sees that, well, it wasn't just a dream, that this was actually going to happen. He sees the spaceship land and runs and yells for his parents. And when he goes into their room, he hears the potato heads or the aliens, however you want to call them. And that's it. The movie ends with him screaming. And so I guess you could say maybe he was having a double nightmare, double dream, but maybe one part was a dream, which was the entire movie, and then when he wakes up, this was going to be real life. I don't know. I like how you could sort of discuss it a little bit. It is cut and dry as far as what actually happens, but it is vague at the same time. I really do like that ending because of the fact that we get that relief that, oh, it was just a dream, never actually happened, and yet it is going to happen. I thought that was a cool little spin on it, and sure, we've seen that a lot of times in films, but I'm also keeping in mind of when this movie was made in 1986. Is having everything a dream a cop-out? Sure, definitely is, and it definitely can be, However, again, it's all in how you handle it, and I think it was handled here very well. I enjoy when films have that little gotcha ending, and it's something that may not be, I don't know, something that's expected, and it's kind of a left-field ending, and I really enjoy when that happens in movies, and I think it was handled really well here. So, hats off to Toby Hooper and writer Dan O'Bannon. I think they crafted a really good movie. And I said about people not being here, I think we should also say about Stan Winston. He is very much missed in the movie industry. In my opinion, he created some of the most awesome creations ever put on film. And sadly, he's no longer here. So it's a really good movie. If you have not seen Invaders from Mars, I really recommend checking it out. It was a great discovery for myself. I'm glad that I found a copy of it, and I'm also glad that Will recommended this one. So I think I'm going to close out this episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes, and also I have a webpage. So you can listen to some past episodes at adamanalyzes.com. And if you don't want to go the social media route, you can shoot me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com I do take requests so if there's something you would like me to talk about well I'm definitely open to it and one last thing if you enjoy what I do every week well 
let the world know. Uh, go ahead and leave a review at the podcast listening platform of your choice. We do love those digital hugs, and also it'll allow me to continue to create new content for you, the listener. But with that being said, good night to you, the listeners, and good night, David Gardner.